All right, take your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter four. We are stuck in this storm. Mark chapter four, we're back in the storm again today. And I want to talk to you about God's great goal for your life. Do you believe that our heavenly father has some plans for his children? Do you think he just created us, threw us in the earth, said, do the best you can, I'll be back one day? No, sir. I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and not for evil. He's got plans for his children. And we want to talk about his great goal for your life today. And uh, we've got to get this goal thing straightened out. I want you to look with me in scripture. Let me teach this to you. Let the spirit of God speak to your heart. And uh, before we look at this, I want to point to a couple of scriptures. I don't want you to look them up because they're hard to find, but I want to ask you a couple of questions and I want you to give me the answer to them. The first one is in uh, the book of Amos, Amos chapter three, verse three, where the Bible said this, can two walk together lest they be agreed? Now, a lot of people have said it as a statement, but it's a question mark. You have to answer it. What's the answer? Anybody all over the building? Anybody? Answer's no. If, if I want to go to the beach and my wife wants to go to the mountains, we can't go together. She can go to the mountains. I can go to the beach or back, vice versa, all that. To go somewhere with somebody, you have to be in agreement. Can two walk together lest they be in agreement? I think you see where he's coming from here. All right. What if me and the creator of this universe, who is my father, what if we are not in agreement on where we want to go? Then we can't go together, can we? So guess what's got to happen if we're going to go together? Anybody all over the building. Somebody's got to change. Let's all say it together. That's, that's, that, that's that curse word in the church. Change, change. People love to change. All right. If me and my king do not agree on our goals, which way we want to go, we can't walk together. Therefore, one of us has got to change. Question number two, which one you reckon it's going to be? All right, let me help you. Let me help you with another scripture. It's a little hard to find uh, in the book of Malachi 3.6. Now, this is deep, but I think you'll pick up on the meaning. Listen to me carefully. I am the Lord. I change not. <laughs> All right, can two walk together lest they be agreed? No. So to walk with somebody, somebody got to change. Guess who's not changing? Since he is the Lord and he changeth not, guess who's going to have to change? Now, dear ones, he loves us so much. And that's what we're going to talk about changing today so we can go with his best. We're going to change today. And if you don't believe he'll never change, I want you to call a friend of mine sometime. He's a preacher friend of mine. His name is Jonah. And one day God spoke to Jonah and he said, you go to Nineveh, that great city, and you preach. Jonah went down to the shore and bought a ticket to Tarshish, which is in the other direction. He and the father did not agree on where they was going to go together. So God said, go that way. Jonah said, I'm going that way. <clears throat> Guess who won? And he orchestrated circumstances in that man's life to get him where he wanted to be. Let me, let me tell you the difference between the God of the American church and the God of the Bible. If the God of the American church says, this is where we want to go, and, and folks say, well, no, we don't want to go though there, he changes and says, fine, I'll go wherever you want to. The God of this Bible says, I love you too much to follow you. You're going to follow me. You got to go with me. I don't change. You're going to have to be the one that changes. So what we're going to see here is uh, we're going to have differing goals at time. Me and my father can have differing goals. But let me tell you what I've learned. I'm an old man now, and I've been in the scriptures for you. Let me tell you what I've learned. Even when I think I know more than he does, he's smarter than I am. I'm going to say that again. Even when I think I know more than he does, he's smarter than I am and he's better than I am. And his way is better than my way. Are right, we going to read this passage. I want you to see if you can see two different sets of goals. 
competing goals in this passage. Mark 4, 35, the Bible says, on the same day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, let us cross over to the other side. When they left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. Other little boats were with him. A great storm arose. The waves beat in the boat, so it was already filling. He was in the stern asleep on a pillow. Jesus is asleep. They woke him and they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are dying in this storm? He arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. That was mild mannered. He said it a whole lot meaner than that, but I don't want to shock all these folks sitting right in front of me here. Actually, he re- the Bible said in the Greek, he rebuked the storm. He talked ugly to it and told it to knock it off. The wind ceased. There was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Turn me down just here there, bud. How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that the wind and the sea obey him? Let me ask you a question in reading that passage right there. Do you see competing goals? Do you see differing goals between the disciples and the son of God? All right, tell me what the disciples' goal was. Can you pick up on what their goal was? Their goal was smooth sailing. Their goal was a comfortable ride. They wanted to enjoy the ride. They wanted a comfortable life. Can you see that their goal was a comfortable life? Personal question. What's your main goal in life? Is your main goal in life to build something, accomplish something? Or when you tear away all the jibber-jabber, Does it really just boil down to the fact that I I just want to be comfortable in life? I just want smooth sailing. I want sunny days. I want to feel good. I want to eat Zach's hot dogs and be skinny. I want everybody to be nice to me. I want everybody to be kind to me. I want a good job. I want to make money. When it all just, we cut it all out of the way, what's the bottom line? Is my goal a comfortable cush life? Well, that was their goal. And listen, do not fault yourself if that's your goal. It's a pretty good goal. It's just one problem with it. <laughs> that's not the Father's goal. That is not the Father's goal for my life. Comfort is not his goal. And there's nothing wrong with comfort. I like it. But that's not the goal. I want you to look in that passage. And I want you to tell me what God's goal for their life was. I'll give you a little hint. You can find it in verse 40. Jesus said to them, why are you so afraid? How is it that you have no... Tell me God's goal for their life. His goal for their life was a fearless faith that would not buckle before storms. Their goal was a comfortable life. His goal was a life of great faith. Can you see we got a little problem here? And so we're going to have to make an adjustment. Got to make a little bit of an adjustment here. We got different goals. And uh, dear ones, I'm just going to cut to the chase. Most of us in life, our default mode is I want to be comfortable. I want everything to be comfortable and easy. I want the kids to shut up, behave. I want everything to go my way. We want comfort. I love you, but I'm going to tell you something. Let me tell you what this book, if there's one thing this book teaches through the New Testament, it's this. God's goal for your life is a great faith. God's goal for your life is, in it, and I'm going to say the exact words from 2 Thessalonians, an exceeding growing faith. His goal is to build a great faith in your life so that you can do exceedingly great in that great faith. That's the goal. Now, I want to prove my point from scripture. See if you'll agree with what we see right here. In verse um, 39, let me ask you a question. Verse 39, he arose and rebuked the wind and said to it, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. Verse 41, they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea do what? They obey him. 
What does that tell me right there? If my heavenly father wanted to, he could give me an absolute, I, I still use the word could, he could give me a storm-free, comfortable life if he wanted to. Can you see that he was able to just rebuke the storm that was creating such a problem in their life? He can make it stop. If God's goal for their lives was comfort and ease, why'd he let that storm rage? I want you to chew on this for a minute. He could make my life so cush if he wanted to. I mean, he created the heavens and the earth. He spoke and the stars are there. He could make everybody be nice to me. He could make me feel so good. He could just give me the greatest job. I, you, there's nothing he can't do. He could make my life so cush. There's just one problem. That's not his goal. His goal is great faith. And uh, there's where we got the little bump going on in so much of life today is we got dueling goals or, or competing goals. Now, if he's capable of doing anything, and he is, therefore, what am I going to have to do? I guess it's decision time, isn't it? Might be adjustment time. I don't want to take in the scriptures for a second. I'm going to show you something. Uh, many people believe that, that they should be Christians, follow the Lord, whatever that is. His actual goal for your life is great faith. His goal for your life is to bring you to a place of great faith. I want you to look with me in scripture. Let's look at a few. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. I'm going to look at two or three here from scripture. We could lift these out of anywhere. But Galatians chapter 3 is one of those great verses. Several others are with it. Galatians 3 verse 11 says this, that no one is justified by the law on the side of God's evidence. Watch these words. The just shall live by faith. Tell me what the Bible says right there. How am I supposed to live? The just shall live by faith. He wants me to reach a place in life where I can live by faith or live off of faith. I love Galatians 2.20, which is right above it, which says this, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. All right, let's have a little fun in the scriptures this morning. I'm gonna give you a test. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. I want to see if you can pick up on something. It's very subtle, but I think you'll get it in here. I don't know if you've ever heard of Hebrews chapter 11. It's, it's the hall of fame in the Bible. It's the place in the Bible where, you know, like the, we've got a football hall of fame. We've got a golf hall of fame in Florida. We've got a baseball hall of fame in Ohio. We've got all these halls of fame where the greatest that ever played the game are there and they're listed. Hebrews 11 is God's hall of fame. It's where he lists all of the great people through the ages. And there's a little subtle something in here. I want to see if you can pick up on what our heavenly father calls greatness. Before we look at that, let's read Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, which says this. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that there's a God up there and he rewards those who chase him. Tell me the one thing he's looking for. Let me, let me say it again. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Tell me what he's looking for. All right, let's make the list. Are y'all ready for the trip here? See if you can pick up on something here. Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse four. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. He's in heaven today. By faith, Enoch, verse five. By faith, Enoch was taken straight to glory without dying. Uh, look with me in verse eight, or verse seven. By faith, Noah saved his family and built a boat to rescue them. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Went when he was called out. Verse 11, by faith, Sarah had a baby at 90 some years old. I, I scratched that verse out of my Bible. 
You can just go right on down through the list. Verse 17, by faith, Abraham. By verse 20, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob concerning things to come nobody else could see. Verse 21, by faith, Jacob, he worshiped when he was so old, he had to lean on his walking stick to do it. Verse 22, by faith, Joseph. Verse 23, by faith, Moses pulled off what he pulled off. Are you picking up on a pattern here? Tell me the one thing that puts everybody in God's hall of fame. By faith. Let me show you one more real quick. We may come back to this in a little bit. Verse 30, uh, verse 32. What more shall I say? I don't have the time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises. Does anybody here would like to obtain some of the promises of God? Faith. Do you see something stand out there? I don't see nine things, eight things, four things. I see one thing, through faith. Dear ones, his goal for your life is a great faith above everything else. We, if we're going to walk with the true great king of this book, we're going to have to elevate faith above comfort. Got to get faith back above comfort as our great goal in life. All right, so it's decision time. And... Uh, when I saw this in scripture at one time, I, I decided I need to change my goals. Because to be honest with you, my goal in life is like everybody else. I just wanted to have fun and be comfortable and eat pintos and croak and go to glory. But since I've known the scriptures, I've changed my mind. I'd rather have great faith than comfort. Let me make an announcement. I still like comfort. I love comfort. I love ice cream. I love comfort. I love my recliner that a friend gave me. But that's not my goal anymore. Faith is our goal and great faith is our goal if we're going to walk with him. All right. So if I decide that I want the great faith, if I'm, in other words, if I, if my vision is going to line up with my father's vision for me and I say, then let's do faith. Guess what comes next? Faith school. Faith school comes next. And uh, we're going into faith school. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> how many of you in Mark chapter four, when Jesus told them, get in that boat, how many of you think God got caught off guard? How many of you think God didn't know what was coming? <laughs> How many of you think that boat was faith school? That boat was faith school. How many of you got enough God-given wisdom from this word to recognize that a lot of the things that go on in your life are not the devil screwing things up. It is faith school. How many of you are in faith school? <laughs> you never graduate. You never graduate. It just gets better and better. And when we begin to believe that God is that good, he is my father and he is deeply involved in the affairs of my life. You don't die for somebody and not pay attention to them. You don't lay down your life for somebody and then not be involved in their lives. Listen, one of the great passages in the Bible, Jeremiah said this, as the clay, as the potter has his hands on the pot, so is my hand on you to shape you. He said to Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house, I'm going to tell you something. So he goes down there and the potter's making a pot and it gets boogered up. You know what boogered up means, don't you? You got boogered up. So he started over and he's shaping this pot and he's got his hands on this pot and he's making it exactly what he wants it to be. Let me tell you what he did not say. He did not stop the wheel and ask the pot, what do you want to be? That was good right there. He didn't ask the pot, what do you want to be? The Bible said he was shaping it as seemed good to the potter. He never asked the pot what he wanted to be. And he's got a... In the mind of the potter is a picture, a plan, and his hands on that pot, making it exactly what he wants it to be. And then he said this, as the clay is in the potter's hands, so are you in my hands. 
God's hands on your life. And a lot of times when storms hit, we think where they said, do you know where are you at? Do you not care? He was all over that thing. That was faith school. They were in the middle of it. And uh, somebody should write a song. He's still working on me to make me what he wants. To, just, just an idea. The scripture says here that he's working. This is faith school. All right. We're going, everybody that begins to really walk with God, you're going through faith school. And the Bible teaches clearly that there's only two ways for my faith to grow. Now, dear ones, faith is not a gift. Now, everybody, the Bible said, God, Romans 12, God has given unto every man a measure of faith. Everybody's got, everybody has faith from God a little bit, but that faith has to grow before it can do anything. And uh, let me point out right here what Jesus had to say about faith several times. Jesus spoke of people who had no faith. Did he not? The disciples in Mark chapter four in that boat, uh, when, that, when that storm was kicking their butts and killing them, did, did Jesus not say you have no faith? You know, that, your faith level is low when Jesus says no. All right. In another passage in Mark 9, Jesus talked about having just a little bit of faith. When he said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, he said just a little bit. Jesus told the Seraphonician woman and the uh, centurion, he said, great is your faith. And then to the Thessalonians, he said, your faith is growing exceedingly, growing great. So do you see what the Bible says? Every man is given a measure of faith the moment you're born again. But you, but you have to do something with it. It's, it can either be nothing as the disciples was. It can be a little bit of faith as the father in Mark 9. You can have great faith, grow it to a point of having great faith, which moved the hand of God as the Syrophoenician woman did. But we want to be like the Thessalonians. You didn't think I could say that, did you? The Thessalonians who had exceeding growing faith. You know what that tells me? God gave me a measure of faith, but I have to grow it. I have to grow it. You grow it in faith school. And the Bible's very clear. There are only two ways faith can grow. All right, number one, let's look at it. Romans chapter 10. This is, the, this is the foundational way that our faith grows. Romans chapter 10. And this needs to be one of the foundation verses of your life. Romans chapter 10 says this. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes or grows by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Your faith can grow, it comes, it starts, and it grows by hearing the word of God. If, if I'm struggling, here, I'm just, can I just cut to the chase and say it like it is? If life is kicking my butt and I'm screaming and dying, I need a greater faith. That's Mark chapter four. So I need for my faith to cometh or grow. Where does it grow from? Faith grows from hearing the word of God. Now you may think, and we're gonna talk about this in just a minute, you might think that Jesus was ugly that he was very hard on those guys in that storm. You'd think I was ugly if I talked to you like that. But uh, here's the question. Why did Jesus say to them, why do you have no faith? Can you see he expected them to have handled that storm better? All right, let me ask you a question. Did he not tell them in verse 35 in Mark 4, we are going to the other side of this lake? Was that not the word of God? They could have had enough faith in what he said that they could have slept through that storm just like he did. Faith always points back to God's truth. It all, listen, faith always begins with the word. It always goes back to God's revelation. Let me, uh, this is not, I've heard people just go so deep that they, they confuse themselves. Faith is simply learning to put God's word first in everything. You just, you just God's word rules over everything. You always look first to what he says. You don't look at the storm. 
You don't look to doctor smell fungus. You flaming sure don't look at your feelings. You know what flaming sure means, don't you? You don't look at your feelings. You look at God's word. You put God's word for in everything you ask. What's God's word on this? What does the Bible say about this? What does God say about this? That storm told those disciples, you are going to die. God had already told them, you're going to the other side. Faith would have gone with what he said instead of what they saw. That's good right there too. Faith always puts God's word first. Matter of fact, Jesus put it like this in Luke chapter four, verse four, when he had some mess going on in his life, he was being tempted. Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone. Man lives by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Faith simply lives by what God says. And faith grows by what he says. It's built by what he says in the scriptures like that. All right, so listen, dear ones, faith always goes back to the word. I just learned to live my life instead of saying, well, how do you feel? What do y'all think? What'd they say? What's going on? What's the news say? What's mama say? Oh, my bursitis is cutting up. We learn to just think, what does God say? What'd God say about this? What does the Bible say about this? It always goes, faith just comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let me tell you something. As we feed on this word, and it doesn't just mean the Bible. There are two words. All right, here I go off on my little tangent again. There are two words for the word word in the New Testament. One is the word logos, logos, logos. The other is the word rhema. Logos usually refers to the written word that we can hold in our hand. Rhema is the spoken word. It's when God speaks, his spirit speaks something into your heart. The word, word in Romans 10, 17 is Ramata or Rama. And it literally means this, as I let God speak to my heart, my faith grows. And most, listen, 99% of the time when he talks to me, he talks to me through this book. Don't think you're going to have faith apart from this book. And he speaks to me through this word and, he, and your faith comes alive. Now listen to what the Bible says, faith cometh, faith grows. And it grows and it grows and it grows to the point where it can handle storms. It grows to the point to where, well, I'm, well, we'll get to that in a little bit. We want a growing faith. We want a faith that's constantly growing. But let me point something else from Romans 10, 17 out. If faith cometh by hearing, faith disappeareth by hearing. Faith goes away by hearing certain things. Simon and another passage in Matthew 14, he had enough of a faith, that's how we say it in the country, he had enough of a faith that he could walk on water. He said to Jesus, I want to walk on water. Would to God we'd get back to the place in our American Christian churches where we want to start believing God for great big things that everybody else mocks. I just throw that in for free. He decided he wanted to walk on water and Jesus said, come on. And that was the word of God. And he put faith in that word and he got out there and that, that water was concrete underneath him. And the man walked on water because of his faith. But listen to what happened. When he got his eyes on the storm around him, he sank. He had the faith to do it, but the storm around him destroyed the faith in him. Faith cameth by hearing the word of God, but faith lefteth by focusing on the storm. Our faith can be just like this up one day, down the next. That's why you have to constantly feed your faith for it to be strong. That's why we need to be on a steady diet of God's truth, his word, his voice to keep our faith in a strong place. Okay, so we got to feed that faith. It comes from the word. Where's the second place that faith comes from? Turn with me to James chapter one. This is the fun one. You'll like this one. I can tell you'll like this one because when people get here, they're always saying, isn't it wonderful? 
James chapter one. All right, you, now listen to me carefully. Faith comes by hearing God's word. That is the source of my faith is God's word. Hearing him speak into a situation, his voice, knowing his truth. But look where else faith comes from. In James chapter one, verse two, the Bible says this. James one, two, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Just scratch that. That must mean something else in the Greek. It can't mean what it says. It means exactly what it says. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. You say you'd have to be a lunatic. Verse three says knowing something, knowing something. The testing of your faith produces patience. That's a terrible translation. You can go and read the rest of it. The Bible says this, the testing of your faith builds great faith. The testing of your faith tempers your faith. So when, if we ever reach the place where God Almighty gets us where he wants us to be, when difficult things happen or trials come, we'll go, praise God. Another chance to prove that his word works and I'm going to come out of here looking like Charles Atlas in the spirit realm. Well, y'all don't know who Charles Atlas is. Schwarzenegger in the spirit realm. Praise God for this problem. Praise God for these difficulties. This is building my faith to such a great level. So I know what that says right there. Count it joy when difficulties hit your life, storms come, knowing this is making me a great man or woman of faith. Tell me what the other, listen, if faith comes by hearing the word of God, what's the other way that faith comes? Trials, trials, storm after storm. Welcome to faith school part number two. Are you, you say, Brother Brown, are you telling me? Are you telling me? Yeah, I'm telling you. Are you telling me that God Almighty would let storms come into my life to build my faith? Move to the front of the class if you figured that out all by yourself. That's what the entire Bible tells us, Doc. You see, if our goal is comfort, he left us way back there at the rest stop. But if our goal is great faith, we're ready. Give me one amen in the building somewhere here. All righty. So faith comes by hearing the word of God. It also comes by great trials that, that strengthen, just sort of strengthen us. Now, uh, let me... Uh, let me explain to you about this testing stuff. I got a friend of mine who works in a company called Teldyne Allvax down in the southern part of the state. And it's where they make artificial joints, not smoking joints, hip joints, knee joints, stuff like that. If you ever had a hip replacement or a knee replacement, it probably came out of Teldyne Allvax. And what they do is they take titanium, steel, other metals, and they prep those metals to be tough enough to be artificial joints that'll last. Let me tell you how they do He took me there and showed, showed me one day. He said, let me show you how we do this stuff. We'll take this metal, I think it was titanium, and we take this uh, raw metal here, and we're gonna put it in that oven right there, and we're gonna turn the temperature up on it to thousands of degrees. And we're gonna heat that thing up, and that heat, heat, heating it up strengthens it. Then we're gonna take it out and we're gonna cool it. Then we're gonna stick it in another fire, and we're gonna heat it up again. And we're going to do that over and over. And I watched those huge furnaces there, heating that metal up, cooling it down, heating it up, cooling it down. And he said, by the time that thing gets done, it'll be so tough it can't break. And I just looked up and I said, you're in this, aren't you? This is heaven's truth. You know what that is? That is counted all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the firing up of your faith makes it strong. You can go all through the Bible and you can see trial after trial after trial after trial. Because I want to remind you again, my father's goal for me is not a cush life. It is a great faith. And great faith comes from hearing God's word and it comes from being purged, tested. 
in the fire. You say, I just don't believe my sweet Jesus would do that to me. Get you another Jesus. Get to one of the Bible. We won't take time to look at it. You can turn sometime to Revelation chapter three where Jesus said, you, he said, you think you're rich because you got money. He said, you're not rich, you're poor. These people were wealthy. They bragged about their riches. They said, we're rich, increased with goods. They were millionaires. But Jesus said, you are poor. Dear ones, there's some things money can't buy. You can have all the money in the world and be poor in the things that really count. But in his kindness, guess what he said to him next? I counsel you to buy from me gold, real valuable stuff. Then what he say? Refined in the fire that you might be rich. Jesus said, if you want what's really valuable, get it from me and you will get it refined in the fire. Take a wild guess. Back to tell Don Allback, stick them in the furnace again so we can get, let's get them some real riches here. We've got to get a whole new attitude toward difficulties, trials, and problems, knowing this is not God leaving me. This is God fixing me. This is God building me. This is God building my faith. This is Faith School 101. And I've learned to count it all joy when I fall into different difficulties, knowing we want our faith to reach the place where instead of when a storm hits, we start screaming that we're going to die. We do like Jesus and just roll over and go right back to sleep. His faith was so great. He was in the same storm they were. He said, well, he was God. Knock it off. He walked like a man on this earth. His faith was so great. He didn't even bother looking up. Wouldn't it be great to be in that place? Let me tell you what the Bible doesn't show you that happened. In that storm, they woke Jesus up. He turned, he put his face right into that wind. I mean, that gale force was whipping his robes and whipping his hair. And he put his face in there and he said to that wind, get out of my face, knock it off. God. That's where we want to be. You know what that's called? That's exceedingly great faith. We want the sweet Lord Jesus to say to us what he said to that centurion. I've never found such great faith, not even in Israel. We want to reach that point where our faith is so great. Let me just point something out here. I know trials are not fun, but you know what fun is? Fun is when everybody else is screaming they're going to die and you look right into it and you say, shut your face. And it has no effect on you whatsoever. That's fun right there. All right, so the scripture teaches us it comes from two places. It comes from hearing and it comes by testing. All righty. You say, why would he do that to me? Great question. So I thought God loved me. You have no idea how much. Because there is a reason behind this stuff. And these are not all of them, but I'm going to give you several of the reasons that he wants our faith to be great. And I can support these with scripture. And you got to understand this. So well, this is some kind of, some kind of pain I got to go through so I can go to heaven. No, Jesus went through the pain so you can go to heaven. This pain is for good stuff right here. You should write in the front of your Bible. You don't know, you know what the Bible summarized? No pain, no gain. That's good. I made that up by myself. That's real good right there. All righty. Let me tell you why this is. I'm going to teach you something right here. Number one, what only faith can do. There are some things that only faith can do for you. Nothing else can do. Let me teach you something right here. The Bible says, and this is one of our foundational verses, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Now, guess what the word now means? Now abides faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Those are the three foundational things we prop off on. Just what I'm fixing to say. Faith and love must be there. Dear ones, love can never do for you what only faith can do for you. 
You can have all, you can be the most loving person on the planet and life will kick your butt till your nose bleeds. Because only faith carries you through the storms. There's some things only faith can do that love can't do. Can I ask you a question? You say, well, I think if we just love Jesus, everything will be fine. Did the disciples in that boat love Jesus? They had just told him the night before, if you're going to die, we're going to die with you. We love you that much. Every one of them people in that boat loved Jesus dearly. So why did the storms of life ruin them? It wasn't that they didn't have love. They had plenty of love. They didn't have any faith at that point. Love cannot do for you what only faith can do for you. Faith has got a place in your life that nothing else can replace. Listen, dear ones, I know many, many dear Christians, they're the lovingest people, but life hammers them because even though they've got great love, they have no faith whatsoever. You've got to have both. Actually, you need all three. Now abide faith, hope, and love. You've got to have all three of them. There are some things only faith can do for you. Let me mention several of them from Scripture. Number one, faith never worries. Love will worry. Faith can bring you to a place where you are free from worry and anxiety. Did you see Jesus worried in that boat? I mean, you don't worry when you're snoring. Jesus was dead asleep. They were worried they were going to die. Jesus was dead asleep. And uh, there's a place in faith where you'll never worry again the rest of your life. You say, were you there yet? I'm getting close. And when I do like Simon and screw up and get under the water, I'll do what he did. I'll holler, say, get me back up there where I was before. There was just a walk. It's not a one-shot ante. It's a walk. We're learning to walk. And when you fall down, get back up. When you fall in your faith walk, get back up. But faith can bring you to a place where anxiety doesn't own you anymore. It's called freedom. Number two, faith can bring you to a place where you have no fear whatsoever. He who abides in my word, which is where faith comes from, he who abides in my word will know the truth and the truth will make you free. If the Bible says fear not, there is a... Did you ever see Jesus afraid? He wants to bring us to a place where fear doesn't dictate our lives. If anything was ever born in hell, it is fear. Fear's running this land right now. Fear's robbing God's people. Fear's costing you something. Your faith will destroy your fear. Listen, fear will always destroy faith or faith will destroy fear. My dear friend J.L. Williams wrote a great book called Faithing Down Your Fears. And it is, love won't destroy fear. Faith will destroy fear. That's why it's so important that we let our faith grow and let it grow exceedingly. Number three, listen to this. A man that walks by faith, a woman that walks by faith will never be hostage to their circumstances. Your circumstances will never dictate anything to you when you walk by faith, only God's word. Can I ask you a question? In Mark chapter four, were those disciples being held hostage by the storm? Jesus wasn't. He told the storm what to do. All right, listen to me, dear ones. Great faith will bring you to a place where the circumstances of your life don't own you. What's going on around you doesn't tell you what to do. Only the word tells you what to do. Let me take just a time out here for a minute and I want to bring a word from heaven to you. Uh, I've heard through this coronavirus thing that's going on and what's going on in our nation, I've been hearing people have different prophetic words. I've only gotten one word from heaven on this coronavirus thing. (laughs) Let me take a time out here. If you came to be comforted today, this is not your day. Come back next Sunday. Did you ever notice how ugly Jesus was at times? Did y'all ever notice how ugly he could be? You say, I can't believe you said that. Read it. Mark chapter four, these poor people, they were about to die. They were scared to death. Why didn't he comfort them? Why didn't he put his arms around them? Why didn't he speak softly to them? He just stood and said, you ain't got an ounce of faith, do you? (laughs) Because there is something better than comfort. 
He wanted them to have something better than comfort. Then was if he had comforted them, he would have gotten them through that storm. He'd have gotten them over that storm. But if he could have built their faith, he'd have got them through every storm they faced for the rest of their lives. More than we need comfort at times, we need great faith. And we need to build our faith. Here's the word I've gotten from heaven concerning what's going on in our nation. You know what a test does for you, doesn't it? A test reveals where you're at. I had to have a, a treadmill test one time so it could show where my heart was at. And the doctor, he said, your heart's fine. You've got a great heart. He said, your problem is you're fat. And he, wrote, he said, I'm going to write you a prescription. And he did. He wrote me a prescription. He said, get this filled on the way home. And I looked at it and it said, tennis shoes. He said, stop and get you some on the way home. But the test showed where my heart was. When you take a test in school, it shows where you're at. The storm we're in as a nation right now has been a test for the church. We have failed it. And it has exposed our faith, just like that storm exposed their faith. The word I have from heaven is uh, Jeremiah 12, verse 5, which says this. If you have run with footmen and they have worn you out, what will you do when you have to race with horses? If being in the rains has worn you out, what will you do when the Jordan floods her banks? I'm going to bring you a prophetic word right now. This is a difficult time we're going through and many people are being crushed by it. What are you going to do when it gets worse? What are you going to do when down the road we see worse than this? You say, well, I wish I hadn't tuned in today. Yes, you did. Let me tell you why. I live in the greatest days on planet earth. I live at the second coming of Jesus Christ. And here's what we know. It's going to get difficult for Jesus comes back to this earth. That's why it is good to comfort people who need comfort. But more than I need comfort right now, I need to be building my faith to the place where I can stand what's coming in the earth. I need to be strengthening my faith to the point where like Jesus, listen, there was nowhere in the Bible does it say be like the disciples. That we might be conformed to the image of Christ. We don't want to be like the disciples who were screaming when times got tough. We want to be like Jesus who stood up and took over when times got tough. We want to be like Jesus who was not the least bit affected by that storm. Matter of fact, he took over in the storm. We're going to have to grow our faith to make it in this generation. And that's why it's good, to, it's good to learn how to love each other. It's good to experience the presence of God. We need to be comforted when certain things happen. But more than anything else, his goal for us is a great faith that does not flinch in the storm. Strength. Just thought I'd throw that in for free. Number four, the Bible said this, a man, the woman that will learn to walk by faith will never be hostage to your feelings again. Let me make an announcement. Feelings are wonderful. I've got some, believe it or not. <laughs> feelings lie. Your feelings are not reliable. The Bible said in James chapter one, that if you live by your feelings, you're like a man that is driven and tossed by the storms and the waves. You're like a boat out there on the ocean, just being thrown this way tomorrow, this way the next. You're all over the place. Feelings are all over the place. Faith is always the same. A man or woman that learned to walk by faith will never be hostage to their emotions and their feelings. Number five, a person that learns to walk by faith will never be held hostage to human intellect. I don't need, I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my understanding or your understanding. Either. I hate to tell you, especially if you're an egghead, I hate to tell you this. In other words, you're real proud of how smart you are. There's not enough human intellect on this planet to cut it. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. More than I need the wisdom of a scholar, I need the mind of Christ. I need the wisdom of God. The word of God is the mind of God. And a man that walks by faith will never be held down by human intellect. And you'll never be bound by the, 
our little old heads are about that big. Listen, if your God will fit between your ears, get you a new God. Yours is not big enough. We need one a whole lot bigger than my head can handle. I need one out of this word right here. Number six. Oh, God. Faith always leads to a life of peace and joy. Those three are twins. They're not twins. They're triplets. <laughs> yeah, those threes are twins times two. Listen, faith always leads to peace and joy. If you're going to live in peace, you better grow your faith. If you're, going to be, if you're going to live in joy unspeakable and full of glory that the Bible promises, you better grow your faith. There is no joy in fear. There is no joy when you're being kicked around by the circumstances of life. Fear always leads to peace and joy. Those three are always found together. Always leads to that. Let me throw in one more here. And this may be the big one. All the love in the world can't open the windows of heaven. Only faith can open the windows of heaven. The most, I, was, I used to wonder as a young preacher, Heavenly Father, these are some of the finest Christian people I know, but you never do anything for them. I mean, he fed them and gave them clothes, but I never saw them get a prayer answered. I never saw any great miracles in their lives. These are the finest people. Why don't you do anything for them? And then I see people that are not near as good as Christians getting great prayers answered. Explain that. I just didn't know the word well enough to know that all the love in the world, all the discipline in the world doesn't open heaven's windows. Faith opens heaven's windows. Only faith can. Let's look at that again. Turn them back to Hebrews chapter 11. We were in James. You're not but a page or two away. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's see that in scripture. When we're building our house, I'm out there one day and I had a little something to tap in. A little, I think it was a little nail set I wanted to tap in and I, didn't, I just had a screwdriver. So I took that screwdriver and turned around. I'm beating that nail with that screwdriver. And the Lord speaks to me through his word, but he speaks to me through life all the time. And you just have to pay attention when he wants to talk, he talks. And he said, son, that, he said, that thing wasn't designed to do that. He said, you need to go get your hammers, what it's designed for. And then he went on to explain to me, why do you keep trying to use some of my stuff to do what it's not designed to do? Love doesn't open the windows of heaven. Only faith opens the windows of heaven. And this is when I begin to understand, you can have all the love in the world and never have a prayer answered. You can be the most mild-mannered, gentle, nicest, nicest person there is and never have a prayer answered because it's not mild manners that opens the windows of heaven. Nice don't do it. Now, I appreciate you being nice to me. Thank you very much. That don't open the windows of heaven. Let's read it. Hebrews chapter 11. Well, let's read verse six before we look at it. Verse six. Without faith, faith is impossible to please God. He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who chase him. Only faith can chase God for answers. But look with me in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. Let's read it again. Hebrews eleven thirty-two. What more shall I say if time would fail me to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who through what? Through faith? Through faith subdued kingdoms. How many of you would like to subdue some kingdoms through faith? How many of you would like to shut the devil's mouth through faith? Break the powers of darkness that are hampering your home through faith. Subdued kingdoms, uh, worked righteousness, what does it say? Obtained promises. It is faith that opens the windows of heaven and obtains the promises of God. Love don't do it. Now, faith's not going to work apart from love. I've known some people that tried that. Galatians chapter four said, faith works through love. Literally, faith is in ergo my energized or empowered by love. If you're hateful and mean, your faith ain't gonna work. But you can be the lovingest person in the world without faith, that's not gonna work either. 
faith is energized by the love of God. But can you see that only faith can obtain the promises of God? You can be the lovingest person in the world and go straight to hell. Because for by grace are you saved through faith. You need to trust Jesus and put your faith in him to save you alone. Faith alone can do that. Faith opens the windows of heaven over our lives. All right, the scripture teaches you and I, this puts a whole new twist on life here. And uh, I've got to take my, my precious, precious goal in life, which is a comfortable, fun, wonderful life where everybody's nice to me and the sun's always shining and I never have a problem. Why don't you pack that thing up in a box and stick it in the back of your closet? And why don't you unwrap God's goal, which is, I want a great faith. I want an exceeding growing faith that can stand the test, make it through the storms of life. And of course, to do that, you're going to have to, two things, you have to buy your Bible and you got to open it. You got to open it. I remember a fellow talking about, some, listen, I hear some of the craziest things on Christian television. It's like chicken wings. There's some meat in there, but you better throw the bones away. And he talked about the osmosis of God and he would go to sleep at night and lay his Bible right there and sleep with his Bible like this. Faith don't come with your Bible resting on your belly. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. And you open, and listen, you open this thing, you say, you speak, Lord, thy servant listens. This is first place in my life and I want to grow my faith. And uh, let me throw in one last thing before we're going here. The Bible says I'm in faith school. I'm in faith. I watched a special not long ago on SEAL school where these young men in the Navy are trying to become Navy SEALs. You have to go through a school to become a Navy SEAL. And they take you in this room and they give you Pepsi Colas and cupcakes and they listen to rock music. That's how you become a SEAL. <laughs> no, that's how you become a candy cane is what that is. You would not believe what they did to them boys. I mean, I just looked at it and I thought, thank God I never wanted to be a SEAL. I mean, they put them through the ringer. The things them boys had to go through. And you know why? You know what? They ate it. Them boys loved it. You know why they let them Navy guys torment them and punish them like that? Because they weren't looking for comfort. They were looking for glory. They wanted to be seals. They wanted to be the elite warriors of this land. And they wasn't but one way to get there. I cheer for the seals. Dear ones... <laughs> American candy cane Christianity is not going to cut it with what's coming. We're going to have to decide we want to go through Faith School 101 and get this book and decide this is the final word in everything and then say, Lord Jesus, where he leads me, I will follow. Where he feeds me, I will swallow. Where he beds me, I will wallow. Whatever he says, I'm with you. Let's go. And he loves you so much. He is so longing to bring you to a place of faith to where instead of you screaming, do you not care for me, stop this storm, you just stand up and stop it yourself. God, this is great preaching. This is good news that brings great joy to the troubled soul in difficult times. Lord Jesus, I just want to praise you and thank you and bless you. We need to make a decision this decision time. Now, you walked up to people, Simon, Andrew, Matthew, James, John, and you said to them, follow me. You didn't tell them where they were going. You didn't ask them what they thought about the ride. You just said, do you want to follow me or not? And they followed you and they had the greatest life possible and it's still going on today. I pray for everyone listening to me today. I don't know where they're at in their faith. 
I don't know where they're at in their lives. I don't know what, what's going on in their lives, but I praise you and thank you. And I believe you today that your word will speak to their hearts and say, it is a great faith that I want to bring you into. Father, I praise you and thank you. Your word says you're the comforter. And there are times when you can comfort so sweet. Your spirit is so sweet like none other. But that is only for certain times. I praise you and thank you that there is a faith that can stand the storms of life and cause us to smile and celebrate and cheer and shout hallelujah while everybody else is screaming we are dying. I believe it. And I believe that this word goes forth today. It's planted in their hearts and it'll give life and bear fruit. And we will be a great men and women of faith who, as your word says, along with Daniel, along with Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, that we're going to subdue kingdoms, shut the lion's mouths, bring the dead back to life in our own hearts and obtain the promises of God through faith. I give you the praise and glory and believe in this word to bring that fruit. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.